which is the ultimate truth. We talked about the breastplate of righteousness, how the sacrifice that Jesus made on the cross made us righteous before God. And as we walk in a life worthy, as we, as we live holy, God's righteousness is placed upon us. And now we're talking about the gospel of peace. Let us read, let us begin with verse 14 in chapter 6. It says, Stand therefore having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. Now, when I thought about shoes, I couldn't help but think of Air Jordan, right? And I'm going to tell you a story. It was June 11th, 1997. In, the, in, in NBA history, it'd be known as one of the most well-known games. The Ch Chicago Bulls were in the championship game against the Utah Jazz, 1997. Now, I, I, dude, I'm not a sports guy. I mean, you can't quiz me on this stuff. But growing up, I knew who Michael Jordan was. And I knew who the, who, who the Bulls were. And it turns out that in this game, it was the fourth game and it was two and two. And it turns out that Michael Jordan, he was dealing with the flu in this game. And it says that, as the story goes, they were able to turn the tide of the game and end up winning the championship. And because of that, there is a shoe that you can buy online called the Air Jordan 12 Flu Game. That is what, that's what it's called, the Air Jordan 12 Flu Game. Because it wasn't really the shoe that elevated the success of what Michael Jordan did that night. But it was the purpose. It was the determination. It was the urgency in which he performed to get the job done. Many times in, in, in the athletic world, there's so many shoes out there. There's shoes for, uh, you know, after uh, football players and soccer players, and everybody has their shoe. And I know growing up, I wanted the Jordans. Never had them, but I, I wanted them. And, uh, you know, it was like a thing on, on, on the playground that if you had, if you had the Jordans, you were going to be able to jump a little higher, right? You guys remember the shoe where, where you'd, they had a little thing on the tongue and a little basketball and you'd, you'd pump it? And, man, I remember when that shoe came out in the playground, you know, you had, you had kids, like, you know, getting down and pumping them because they were going to jump. They were going to jump higher, you know, or, or, you know, certain shoes. I remember there was a shoe that had, like, a little Pegasus wing and, and I bought those shoes because I thought I was going to run faster, you know. 
But see, shoes uh, mark in our in our society. They mark something. It's the people who wear those shoes and the accomplishments that people do. You know, the shoe has an importance. Look what it says in Isaiah fifty-two seven. It says, "How lovely." On the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news, who announces peace and brings good news of happiness, who announces salvation. The person who brings the message of peace, the person who brings the message of hope. It says, how beautiful are those feet? It's nothing that the person, you know, there's nothing special about my feet. I mean, I don't think you guys want to see my feet this morning, but, you know, maybe they're not that beautiful. But a person who can bring the message of hope, the gospel message, makes those feet beautiful, the word of God says. See, it's, it's the mission that we have. It's the urgency of the game. Without urgency, there's no need to preach the gospel. Urgency is the fuel that compels us to preach the message of hope. Now, in Luke chapter 2, verse 8 through 15, there's a story here on the announcement of the birth of Jesus Christ. It says in verse 8, And in the same region, there were some shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. And the angel of the Lord appeared to them. And the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news and great joy that will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you, you will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes lying in a manger. Verse 13 says, And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God saying glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those whom he is pleased. Verse 15 says, and when the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. I want to tell you this morning that the very first to preach this message of peace, the gospel of peace, was the multitude of angels. It was the heavenly host. Look what they said. They said, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those whom with he is pleased. That is the very first message we find in the New Testament of God bringing peace to humanity. Now, In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 13, we read this weeks ago. It says, but now in Christ Jesus, you were once far off. 
have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility. The message of peace this morning, the message of the gospel of peace is that once we were alienated from God, we were enemies of God, we were unclean, rejected by God. But it says here that Christ has broken down the wall in his own flesh, making us at peace with God. The shepherds, it says that they would, they would listen to this message. And, and it says that they would go and they would not only go, but they would hurry. It's, the Bible says that they hurried to go tell this message to those found in Bethlehem. Now, good news is good news. And there's no fluff required. There's a saying that, you know, we use in, 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 in my culture where if you tell a story and you want to hype it up, it's called putting too much salsa on the tacos. Oh, man, you put too much salsa on those tacos. You know, you're trying, to, you're trying to upsell the story. You're trying to make it good. I'm going to tell you a story. One time I was working, uh, installing this TV years ago, putting this TV up for a, for a friend of a friend of a friend. And, you know, I was, I was in a bind. I needed the money. And I was like, man, this is great. So I was installing this TV with my brother. And all of a sudden I, I go down and I pick up something, a hammer or something, and I do a certain movement, and I pull my calf muscle so bad that I, I just was in pain beyond, imagine, nothing I've ever felt before until this day, you know, if it's, you know, it gets a little cold, it hurts, you know, you guys know, you guys have had pulled muscles and stuff, but I was, I, I had to stop what I was doing, I mean, the job was halfway done. The homeowner sees what's going on because he's kind of right there poking around and he sees what's happening. He's like, hey, what's the matter? I said, I'm going to have to stop because I can't walk. My brother's going to have to clean up everything and take me. And so he's like, déjame traerte algo. He was a Mexican man. And so he, he goes upstairs and he, he gives me these two blue pills. And he said, tomatelos, just drink, just drink them, you know. And I was like, what is this? I, this doesn't look like Advil or, you know, ibuprofen. Just, just drink, you know, take them. And, you know, I was a little embarrassed and I was like, okay, you know, I don't want to sound, you know, I don't want to look like I was scared or anything. So, <laughs> so I took them, I took the pills. And I kid you not. Like, in 10, 15 minutes, there was no pain. Zero. I finished the job, and before I left, I was like, no, wait a minute. I went to the homeowner. I said, text me a picture of these pills. So he sent me a picture, and it wasn't something you, you could buy here in the United States. And so... <laughs> 
So I, I uh, you know, here in, in the Hispanic community, we got people that can do everything, right? So there was a brother back there, and I was like, hey, man, have you ever seen this pill? It looks like it's from a pharmacy in TJ or something. He's like, yeah, just send me the, you know, send me the picture. And sure enough, it's, it, you know, the next, the next service, I'm back there. It's like a little transaction going on. There, you know, here, here's the money. You got the pills? Okay, boom, you got the pills. <laughs> so anyways, now it's like if someone is in pain, I'll be like, wait right there. <laughs> you got to take this. It works. See, when it's good news, it's good news. You don't got to hype it up. You don't have to make it something that it's not. It's good news. These shepherds weren't, trying, weren't convinced. They were given a simple message, the gospel of peace. And they went and carried that message to where they would find Jesus. What can we learn from this story? They were giving good news. They would take this message and they would share it. And they would do it with urgency. See, the game with Michael Jordan, it wouldn't be special if it was a game in his backyard and there were no stakes. The stakes were high. There, the chips were down. Well, you know what I mean. You know, there, there was a sense of urgency. And when there's urgency and purpose, there's a need to get the job done. A couple of statistics. The Gospel Coalition released an article in 2012. It conducted a research and found that 80% of those who attend church... One or more times a month believe that they have a personal responsibility to share their faith. Yet, despite this conviction, only 61% have not told another person about how to become a Christian in the last six months. So 61% of that 80% haven't shared the gospel in six months. Pew Research Center conducted a survey in 2011 on evangelism, discovered that 27% of all all Christians share their faith on a weekly basis. 24% maybe once a month. And 30% maybe one or two times a year. Now, I've read all kinds of surveys, and it's basically the same thing. There's a, everybody... Every Christian believer believes there's a high percentage in the 90s. They believe it's their responsibility to share their faith. But the majority don't follow suit. And what I think it is, is there's no urgency. See, we live in a society where it's a a hurry up and wait philosophy. Where we need everything now, right? I, I want the Amazon Prime one-day delivery. We need everything now. But everything that we need to do can wait for another day. And, and that's the reality is that that is our life here. 
There, there is no urgency, and we need to understand. As it says in Ephesians 5.16, it says, look carefully how you walk. We talked about this a couple weeks ago. Look carefully how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of your time because the days are evil. Now, I, I, I know if, if you're anything like me, you know, now it's different. You know, I have kids, I've been married for a while. I, I know how to, you know, me, me and Arthur, we know how to do the house clean and all that stuff. We're, we're good. But when we were just married, you know, if the in-laws were coming or something, we could do more cleaning in 15 minutes than a whole Saturday. Why? Because there's urgency. The in-laws are coming. There's urgency. Now, where there's urgency to get something done, especially when there's a time constraint, we will maximize the amount of what we can do with the time that we have. We need to be a church that looks for those divine appointments and make the best use of the time God has given us. I want to read one more story, and this is in the book of Acts 8, 26, as we close this message. It says in verse 26 of chapter 8, now the angel of the Lord said to Philip, rise and go toward the south to the road that goes down to Jerusalem to Gaza. The Lord said to Philip, go. It says, this is a desert place. And he rose and went. So we have a command. We have Philip, right, one of the disciples, the apostles. And he was about his way, and the Lord spoke to him, said, go, go, go to this place. And it says that he went. And there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. He had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning seated in his chariot, and he was reading the prophet Isaiah. So you have this man from another country coming to Jerusalem to worship. Why he came, maybe he heard good things. Maybe there was uh, an allegiance to go to Jerusalem, but he was there, and he was coming back from that place, intrigued, reading the book of Isaiah. So... It says, the spirit said to Philip. So the spirit first told Philip, go to this place. And as Philip went, the spirit of God then told Philip, go over and join this chariot. And so Philip ran to him. Did Philip stroll? Did Philip walk? Philip ran. Ran to him. And heard him reading Isaiah. Look at the urgency here. So we can see that if Philip would have took his time, if Philip would have maybe said, 
okay, you want me to go over there? Okay, let me just finish up what I'm doing, and then I'll go. Which, you know, again, that's our culture. I, I will go once, once I'm done. But that wasn't his, his motive. That's not, that wasn't his heart. He, he ran. And it says that when he ran over there, he caught him reading something. It says here, and he said, so Philip ran to him and heard him reading the prophet Isaiah and said, do you understand what you're reading? And the Ethiopian said, how can I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now the passage of scripture that he was reading was this. Like a sheep, he was led to the slaughter. And like a lamb before its shear is silent. So he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe this, his generation? For his life was taken away from the earth. And the eunuch said to Philip, about whom I ask, does the prophet say this about himself or about someone else? Now, you got to understand the timing of God. This eunuch was reading a portion of scripture talking about Jesus Christ. And it was the timing in which Philip ran to meet him. And let's, let's see what he says. He says, Philip says, then it says in verse 35, Philip opened his mouth and beginning with the scripture, he told him the good news, good news about Jesus. And as they were going along the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, see, here is water. What prevents me from being baptized? And he commanded the chariot to stop. And they both went down to the water and they were baptized. See, you don't know and I don't know what God is doing in the lives of people, in the lives of people around us. Now, it's not the gospel of guilt. It's not the gospel of I have to because this is what I have to do. It's the gospel of peace. And what I believe we need as a church, we don't need a better outreach program. We don't need to get out there, although it's helpful. But we don't need a bunch of people doing something they don't want to do. What we need is men and women who are looking for divine appointments. We need people that are willing, like Philip, to be obedient to the voice of God. To understand where they're at and who they're talking to. I believe with all my heart that God will send you people. God will give you opportunity. God will give you divine appointments if you're willing to respond to them and use you to bring this message of peace. The Bible says that the gospel of peace is readiness. As People who have received this gospel of peace, it's, it's part of our spiritual armor. So not only are we, 
not only can we give this message, and let me also say this. You could be a shepherd or you can be an apostle. It doesn't matter who you are. It's not about your qualification. It's not about how much you know of the Bible. It's not, it's whether you took the pill and it worked. That's all you need. You just need your testimony. Listen, you don't need to know everything about the Bible. You just need to know Jesus and that message of peace that he brings. Divine appointments. Divine appointments. Let's be a church that wherever we go, that we'd be able to hear the voice of God. And like Philip, not, not just be like, all right, I will, hold on. Then we'd be able to run. We'd run and make the best use of our time. The gospel of peace, readiness. Oh, I know what I was going to say now. Not only are we equipped to give this message, But as recipients, it means that our feet are ready. What does that mean? The the idea was that the Roman soldier had a footing. It didn't, you know, he was prepared for whatever terrain he would be on and would protect his feet to stand firm in the battle. Having this gospel of peace means that we are at peace with God. And if we are at peace with God, what can come against our lives that could defeat us? Nothing. Because we are right with the Lord. And we're able to stand in battle. We're able to stand in battle. We don't have the condemnation of the enemy. No. No, because we have been forgiven. And we've been given the ability to stand and withstand the battles of the enemy. Let's, uh, let's close our eyes this morning as we... So we pray.